Have you enjoyed listening to travel and shit? Well, then consider becoming a subscriber. Beginning December 1st, you can support the work I've been doing to get you an episode each week and get exclusive access to all episodes one week early. Beginning December 1st, exclusive early access will be given to subscribers. I'd love to give you first listen. Consider supporting the show and becoming a subscriber. For more info, go to travelandshitpodcast.com slash subscribe. I made it around the world And came back with stories to tell Different places to call home Now I'm never on my own Dietations, to my people hitting foreign nations Food, traveling, shit, moving to live Life in the sky, stories to give The ones who make it there and can make it back Salutations and shit, folks. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of your favorite travel podcast, Travel and Shit, where I, your host, D. Carrie, have an experiential conversation about the nuanced ways that travel intersects with regular life. First off, appreciate y'all for being patient. This episode is hella late because I want to say this was our first actual vacation vacation together i might be wrong but boyfriend works from home so a lot of times like we'll take vacation and he'll just break out his laptop and do work he is a video editor by trade so it is not like it's something that he can't do when we travel however it's just difficult to rely on someone else's wi-fi not knowing what the um speeds or how um reliable it's going to be because they can tell you they've got the best fucking speeds but then you get there and you don't know where in the house those speeds are the best accessible and it might be out whatever so all that being said this was at least as easily as i'm able to quickly recall this was our first vacation where we were both completely off from work so um We really wanted to just enjoy ourselves. We're actually coming up on our two-year anniversary as well. That'll be next month. And um, so it was nice for us, real life shit, like not podcasts, not work, not, you know, content. Like we just really enjoyed kicking it with each other. Um, We're best friends. It's a good time over here. So um, thank you for being patient and allowing me to enjoy that time with my partner and um hopefully you enjoy the episode regardless so this was another road trip i feel like the road trip road trip princess because i'm also a passenger princess i do not drive if i can avoid it i don't enjoy driving i think i'm a great driver i actually think i'm probably the better driver out of the two of us um totally subjective uh, but we, um, we sadly left later than we had originally planned for. So we did a trip and we, okay. So if I'm going to, we'll say it, we'll, we'll get into all of it. Essentially we had this trip planned for months, months. We were looking forward to it for a long time because this was our Rust Belt trip. We drove from New York to uh, Cleveland. Now, initially, our initial trip 
was supposed to be New York to Pittsburgh. No, first we were going to stop at Dorney Park. Then we were going to hit Pittsburgh. After Pittsburgh, we were going to like stay a night in Pittsburgh. Then we were going to, where were we going to stay? I don't know yet. I think we were going to stay a night in Pittsburgh. Then we were supposed to go to Cleveland, which we did do, but we didn't stay in Cleveland. We were supposed to, like, the, the initial iteration of the trip included a night in Pittsburgh, then Detroit, then Toronto, then Buffalo, then Livingston Manor, then back home. We opted to do the more cost-effective option as well as not really consistently go, 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 go. So what we decided to do was instead of leaving Friday night, early Saturday morning of the trip, because I was uh, I was off this week. We were both off this week uh, leading into Labor Day. Happy Labor Day. We, instead of traveling over the weekend, we opted to not travel the weekend because we didn't feel like paying weekend prices for accommodations. So instead of that, we ended up leaving on Monday. Our initial thought was we'll leave really late Sunday, early Monday, so that we get to Cleveland have the full day in Cleveland. And then at some point, maybe early afternoon, we leave Cleveland, hit Detroit, because I want to say they're like two hours apart. And then we get to Detroit by time for check-in and we ain't doing none of that. So we actually didn't leave until Monday morning, 8 a.m. as if we were going to go to work. I don't know if y'all can hear outside, but it's a bunch of trucks passing by and they're wild loud. For They're big. Um, so we left later than we anticipated. However, what I do appreciate is a little love note to my partner. Thank you for stopping and doing the things that you know I like. Burger King coffee happens to be my favorite coffee. Um, and I like their hash browns. I do not like Dunkin' Donuts hash browns. Um, Dunkin' Donuts coffee is cool, but Burger King coffee is my favorite coffee. When they make it at the drive-thru, I don't know how, but for some reason they always fucking seem to get it right. So I fuck with Burger King coffee. And also it's got sentimental value because I don't know if you're watching. Hi dad. My dad would always buy me Burger King in the morning. Like if he would pick me up for whatever reason and we would go like during the pandemic, God bless him. He had this, he kind of got me into it. I get it now that I'm older, but my dad has this thing with, I want to be first. Get me in, get me out. What time do you open? I'll be there 20 minutes prior because when you open the doors, I want to be there to greet you, basically give you a coffee, say good morning, get my shopping done and leave. So my dad would be at the house 6 a.m. during pandemic because where the fuck do any of us have to go? Where do we have to go during the pandemic? God, God bless y'all, first responders um, and uh, essential workers who were at their jobs that early. Um, but 6 a.m., he'd be at my door but he would always have Burger King coffee and them hash browns for me. If I had a bad day or if he knew I was stressed about something or whatever, my dad would randomly pop up first thing in the morning, baby girl, did you leave for work yet? Cool, come outside, I got coffee for you. He would bring me coffee and he would bring me hash browns. So Burger King has a little special place in my heart for that reason in particular. So thank you, boyfriend, for um, acknowledging that. So we could have just went, and, you know, picked up Dunkin' Donuts at the 
closer to where you know we were heading out from but we went a little bit out of our way and we got burger king especially start of the morning worked out nicely we could have just made our own coffee but we didn't have any fucking creamer so we stopped at burger king y'all know now that i love burger king coffee and hash browns i've also a little fact about me never had a burger from burger king i actually had the impossible burger which wasn't terrible that shit was surprisingly good my mom put me onto that hey mom um the impossible burger the impossible whopper or whatever it is that burger king wasn't terrible but that's the only burger that i've ever had in all of my 37 years i've never had a burger from burger king i've only had a fast food burger from wendy's um And that was when I was about to turn 25, I did a month of just trying new things. And I figured that it was time for me to actually try to have a fast food burger. The only fast food burgers that I eat are burgers from actual like burger places. And I know you, but it's Burger King. Something about it just don't feel right. So five guys, Shake Shack, Chee Burger, Chee Burger, Chee Burger, Chee Burger was actually, it was, I was along somebody's turnpike. I think it was like a road trip I had taken on my own years, years ago, probably one of the times I went to Virginia to see my cousin Brandy and got lost. Speaking of my cousin Brandy, congratulations to my cousin Brandy, who just became Lieutenant Commander in the Navy. Um, so proud, so, 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 so proud of her. Um, she's made it a, a career. She's been there probably almost 20 years at this point. God bless. Um, but yeah. That's me and burgers. So I, coffee and nuggets are basically the only thing that I'm going to get from fast food. Anywho, we stopped and did get Burger King. um, And then we hit the road. It was way later than we anticipated, but thankfully it was a pretty decent ride. What we ended up doing was pausing, if you will, in Cleveland. So by like that stop as it was, wasn't really like, an overnight stop. We didn't have anything planned. It was just a matter of, I've never been to Cleveland before. So I would like to do something in the area because we were supposed to do, um, like I mentioned at the top, we were supposed to do a little bit more of an extended stay. We were supposed to have a whole day, but we ended up not leaving early enough to get the full day. So we got to Cleveland and we did, um, I think it was an early dinner because I think we got there around three, four o'clock, give or take. And we stopped at this spot called, um, what was it, Zanzibar? Yeah. Zanzibar Soul Fusion. So it's over in Shaker Square in Cleveland and great service, really good food. It was nice. It's black owned restaurant and I always get a kick out of like local people being super friendly. We had parked next to a minivan. I don't know what the conversation was, but I look up and boyfriend is talking to a guy that's like parked in the car next to us. They start laughing at something. So I just say hi, just because it's rude not to. So I say, hi, we are underway walking to the restaurant. It's a gentleman out in a cowboy hat talking about how y'all doing. And I'm like, good morning, sir. Or good afternoon or whatever, older gentleman. And then we get inside. I think they had just opened. And, um, you know, a couple other people in, not too many greeted. Hello. How are you? Service was great. Um, and we ordered our food. We ended up, did I write down what we got? Um, what I will say was really cute is they had Kool-Aid on the menu. 
it's um, a couple different options. I ended up going for my personal fave, which is grape. <laughs> Let me get the purple. Um, I got grape and lemonade because why bother if you're not mixing the flavors? But um, grape and lemonade. I ended up getting that. And what was nice was it's like a 32 ounce. It comes in like, uh, like not a mason jar. It's like a plastic mason jar, but it's like really simple to go because like you just twist the top back on. It's in a plastic container. And it's that ended up being my chaser for the rest of the week because road trip, we bought our own liquor from the house. And we had just bought a bottle of like a handle of, um, I think, uh, Bacardi superior that's the white one right we bought a bottle of Bacardi before we left like the day before we left and it was just like close that up put it in the bag we put it in the trunk we're it's not like we're flying anywhere beauty the beautiful thing about road trips is if you are also say um you don't want to leave produce in the house or if you cooked the night before or earlier that week or something if you've got food pack it up to go one thing that I made note of is I forgot a couple of things because I didn't use my own packing list, me, but it was only, I think it was like band-aids that I left behind. I had looked at the, um, you know, the thing that you put in the cigarette lighter that gives you the charger inputs in hindsight, I looked at it too, while I was going through all the shit to get like my GoPro out, which I never used. I didn't use it, but, um, that was probably one of the biggest wastes of money i don't use well actually no it was a great it came in handy when i was in guadalupe Go, i'd say gopros are really great for um water activities or like active things where you don't necessarily want to risk your cell phone because your cell phone was way more than a camera you do everything else on that bitch the gopro if i were to lose it or drop it or something like that it would suck but i'd rather lose my gopro than lose my phone but anyway um, I forgot band-aids. I might've had some in, I probably had some in my wallet just cause I think I always have band-aids in my wallet, but I wanted to bring fucking band-aids, but I forgot that. And I looked at that charger thing because I still don't have my fucking radio fixed yet. We had tried, but Honda was being a jerk. Um, we, in hindsight, I wish I'd bought that so that we could charge both of our phones into USBs that the car already comes with. But then I would have been able to charge the Bluetooth speaker that I have in there while charging our phone. So it was just like a little thing. Did it make or break the trip? No, but it was just one of those things that I thought of after the fact. So um, the purple drink, it was a quick stop. Everybody was really pleasant, really appreciated. And then we got back on the road because we were headed to Detroit. Um, one of the things that I will say um, about road trips and it's one of those self-reflective things, if you will. I noticed that I am universally curious. Well, I'm not, I don't notice that. That's something I know about myself. I'm a very curious person, but one of the, I won't necessarily say weird, but one of my little quirks is whenever I'm along a, like a road trip road, if you will, I live in the city. So even when I am on routes that are leading outside of the city i do it but i always look for deer and bear in like the wooded areas it's just a thing that i have always done and even in this big age this big era of life that i am in i still kind of look 
as we're driving into like the woods and shit on the side, because also in my mind is, I wonder if there's, again, scary movie, not again, but like scary movies. You know, you watch a scary movie and someone like escapes their captor and then they're running through some woods or whatever. And then they end up like running onto a road. And then it's just like, honk, big like truck sign. It's just like, I'm free. I'm out. And then you're looking behind them like, oh, is the killer coming? I watch a lot of supernatural. I watch a lot of suspense thrillers. It's my fucking jam. That is my bag. I love it. And so I also consider that oddly enough while we're driving, like I'm God bless him. He does all the driving. So outside of us talking, cause we also actually are really each other's like best friends. We talk about everything. We have no problem talking about the most random and innocuous things or like big and important things, but we talk on our rides and we enjoy each other's company. So thankfully for us, the radio not working isn't the end of the world. So, and by radio's not working, it's like our phones still work. We still play music. We still play, play podcasts. I'll get to what our playlist and the stuff that we do to entertain ourselves with because we have a good fucking time. But through that and outside of that, I'm always like scanning the sides of the roads. And I'm also just being aware of what's going on. Like I noticed the Confederate flags hanging off of trucks and on bumper stickers. I noticed the weird like license plate names. I noticed the flags that are flying on the sides of the stores. I noticed the stores and the divisions and stuff. Like I I pay attention to the details that are going on around me. Something that is interesting to me. So one of the things that um, I noticed on this trip that I can't say I noticed before, it seemed as if there were these huge fucking spider webs. We're both terrified of spiders. And might I add, as soon as we fit, where, so when we come home, we don't, we live in a two family house. So we're an upstairs apartment. So we walk into the front of the house and this is like fast forwarding all the way to the end, but we walk into the house and I always do a pause because there's like a lot of shrubs around the entrance and there's always a spider. Like if you're not using the front entrance way a lot, even if you are. Spiders always like to make their webs like in front of my fucking doorway. So when we came home, sure enough, there was a huge, and I'm talking about like a two inch diameter, like leg spread, like the base, like its body was probably like an inch. And so like the leg spread all together was probably like two or three, two inches or more altogether. It was a big ass fucking spider, but there was no way I was going to let my man do over 24 hours worth of driving over 14, 1500 miles of driving and also have to kill or get rid of a spider. So while he's unloading the car further, I put down the bags that I was carrying and I fucking figured it out. Like I take like uh, trash can lids and like I, I swipe it out. But unfortunately when I did that, like it hit the handrail. So then it fell and then the spider, like it was on the ground and then I lost it. I fought the spider. Since we're talking about spiders, I got to that because I noticed there seems to be these huge and very like webby, if you will, is because the only way that I was able to see them in the trees is because they were like the white spider webs, not like clear. You get like I'm trying to make the distinction. The spider web that was in front of my door was essentially like 
translucent. It was transparent. Like I couldn't see the actual web. I noticed the spider because I was looking for the spider. But the webs that I saw on the drive were like the kind of webs that you can actually see. Like it was like, I don't, I can't think the words right now, but there was an amass of webs and it looked like they were catching fucking squirrels. It looked like I saw a couple of squirrels or I don't know if it was fucking birds or if it were baby pops. I don't know what the fuck were in these webs. It could have been just a bunch of leaves. Honestly, it could have been that. It could have been anything. It could have been debris or trash from someplace. But there were these nests of webs with shit stuck in it. And it was so unsettling. And as we're driving, I saw so many of them like in the treetops. And I'd never really paid, like I never noticed that before. Because it's not that I wasn't paying attention. I guess I look at different things, different trips. Usually I'm looking at the the tree line, not the top of the trees, but like the tree lines at the ground. Like I'm looking for ground animals. I'm also looking for deer because I don't want to, because you know, you drive long distances or through different areas and rural areas or, you know, just areas that aren't as populated as where we're from. Deer run into the fucking road. And that's the last thing I want to deal with. So I'm looking for shit like that. I want to see a bear maybe, you know, and the imagination of mine is looking for people as well. I'm going to hold you. So yeah, I'm looking along the sides and on the ground, but this time I was looking up and I saw all of that in the fucking treetops and it was gross and scary, honestly. Um, but I don't know if y'all ever noticed it. I fucking did. So yeah, road trips. Um, another thing that I noticed along the road trip was there, I don't know what the name of the motel was, but there was a huge cutout of Bigfoot in front of the motel as if that was like their selling point. Like maybe Bigfoot had been seen in the area. And so then it got the wheels turning. And I realized that there are different areas that have regional lore. So I mentioned Supernatural earlier. Supernatural is one of my favorite shows. I've probably started watching it when they were in like their second, third season, maybe. At initially, I was just like, I don't want to watch these white boys run around killing mythical creatures. It probably looks stupid and I'm not with it. But somehow I fell into it because I don't know if y'all remember. Um, I don't have cable anymore. But back in when did I move out? I graduated 2007, so 2008, maybe around 2008 or 2009. Um TNT, and they probably still do it, but I haven't had cable for a few years now. All they would play on like the 10 to 12 hour block or maybe the 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. block, they would just consistently play one fucking show for like three hours. And a couple of days, it would be supernatural. And I think I was home from vacation or something and there was nothing the fuck else wrong because I only watched like five channels when I had, that's why I canceled cable because I was only watching like the same three channels, five channels, TNT, USA, FX, and maybe, and maybe, um, HGTV, maybe those four. And if it wasn't on one of those channels where if I'm watching law and order house, like CSI reruns, NCIS, like I would just watch the same shit all over. Somehow I fell into supernatural and that's where. I'm sold. After that, I've been a Supernatural fan. 15 seasons. 
RIP to the show. Thank you to Jensen Ackles and Jared Padalecki for creating uh, and giving life to incredible characters. I appreciate the character development as long as well as a slew of other characters and artists that have contributed their talents to the show. That is my just taking a moment, giving their flowers. That being said, the show in itself actually touches on local like American lore. And one of the things that I don't really think I paid a lot of attention to is how it kind of like the travel of it all, right? The nuance and travel, the regular life and travel intersecting. So a lot they were based uh, 99% of the show for 15 seasons in America, the United States. And they would just drive around their little road trips to go different cities around the country and fight monsters. And one of the things that they very obviously made note to but didn't necessarily stick out to me until this trip was that there are local lores in different areas of course you've got native um communities and you've just got like american different communities that have their uh different mythical creatures you've got uh wendigo you've got um uh what was this one uh bigfoot sasquatch or whatever um what was the one um they had like wraiths, they had um, gin, but I don't feel like the gin were really like a regional thing in the States, but long of the short, seeing the Sasquatch, the little, the Bigfoot nigga in front of the motel was just like, oh shit. I wonder if this area that we're driving through has been known for sightings or the people here have a culture or a community that kind of leads it, lends itself to, um, believing or oh another one that keeps uh popping up in my mind i don't know if i'm saying it right la lorena urena like the crying lady or something that woman in white is another um prevalent thing but i don't think that that is necessarily regional however there may be like local communities that have that as part of um, the things that they tell their kids to look out for, like, um, like Candyman is what city was that? Was it Chicago, Detroit? I know. I don't know if, um, oh, what was that? Um, the community, uh, the, the project that it was, it like, it's right here on the side of my tongue, not the tip, but, um, it'll probably come to me. Cabrini, Cabrini Green, right? Cabrini, the Cabrini houses or whatever. I don't remember where exactly that was, but Candyman would be a local legend. He would be a uh, a regional monster, if you will. So that got me thinking. So stay tuned for a cryptozoology episode because cryptozoology is like a pseudoscience, right? And again, the road trip is what got me down this path. So, cause I'd also seen there was, you know, the tire case that people put on the back of their cars that holds the spare tire on some Jeeps and stuff. Somebody had like a Bigfoot one and it was like, we had just passed it. As soon as we got past it, I brought it up to boyfriend, we briefly talking about it. And I look up at the car in front of us and it's a Jeep with like a Bigfoot tire holder on the back of it. So it would, it would appear that we were in a region where that is happening. And so we were talking about it, talking about it. And he was like, there's a word for it. Like it's a pseudoscience. It's kind of, and then I'm like, oh, so like eugenics, which isn't a real science, but it was something that enough people believed in that it became a field of study, if you will, that 
you know, people would put effort and stake into, you know, trying to prove and disprove the existence of truths that they thought were um, applicable to people of different races. So similarly, cryptozoology is the study of unprovable animals, if you will. So like there are certain animals, like say the Komodo dragon that for a long time was just like, it's unreal. We don't know. Woo, woo, woo. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's proof. So it's not that. And I'm one of those very fantastical people that believes in aliens. I believe in ghosts. I believe in all those things. This world is too large. And, you know, we only use a certain percentage of our brains. There is so much going on outside of necessarily our point of reference or ability of reference, or just because we don't know about it or we don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. So that for me lends uh, itself for me to easily believe in mythological creatures and such. So this road trip definitely got me thinking of cryptozoology and regional lore. So that's an episode that I am actively working on. And I believe that I found someone that I may want to be a guest, but if you have any um, stories of regional lore that you've encountered or uh, from where you are, where you currently live, if there is regional lore, uh, please, 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 please shoot me an email at dcarry at travelandshippodcast.com because um, I would love to hear and get your input so that I have like another direction to take the research, right? But anyway, uh, that was a really, really um, interesting. And that's another thing that I love about road trips is that it, Differently from airlines, right? Flying someplace while you've got the people watching at the airport, you've got the people watching on the plane and all that other kind of jazz. I personally feel that road trips give you that ability to kind of take in so much more stimuli and engage with it differently. If you see the world's biggest ball of yarn and you're, you know, you feel so inclined to stop, you can. But if you're on a plane, you're not stopping for that. Like you're not in charge. And that's one of the things that I love about road trips because it allows us to still be in control of our trip, control of our timing. If something pops up, if something, you know, strikes our fancy, or if for whatever reason we decide let's wait for this, or let's add this, let's take this away. It would have been a lot harder to adjust our trip to make it more cost effective if we had already purchased our plane tickets. So road trips for me are very, I mean, granted, who doesn't want to fly to a beautiful beach and just relax? But in terms of domestic travel, love a good road trip. Um, we've actually, we actually sat and did it. We've done about 15 cities across seven different trips over the last two years. And we have had a good fucking time. So if you haven't taken a road trip and you've got the ability to do a road trip, because you've got a license, you own a car, or you are not, you are of the age where you can, I won't say affordably, but more affordably rent a car, I would definitely, definitely suggest it. And I hope that you are checking out the different road trip episodes so that you can actively get yourself into um, what it could look like for you or a framework for how you can adapt it and make it work for what your interests and, um, needs and concerns for travel would be so the cryptozoology okay so one of the um one of the game one of the games that we play my favorite game is like our life we call it the life soundtrack 
Um, and boyfriend always drives. So I am in charge of the playlist. I, you know, I'm on deck for snacks. I'm on deck for you want some water. I'm on deck for, hey, pull this out or look this up for me and or put this on or not change this, whatever. That's my job. I am the co-pilot, um, the co-captain or what do you call it? The um, I think they just call it the, I can't think of it right now. So let's just call me the co-pilot. So we'll play the life tracking. Boyfriend will give me a, a vibe, if you will. He'll give me a topic. He'll give me a scenario that would happen in life, whether it be fantastical or real. And then I choose the song that either matches that or like answers the question or like fits and fills the criteria. So here's an example. One of the questions he asked, like, what's your entrance song? Like, say you're walking into like something like, or you're going to start something or they're going to play something before like you walk out into the field. So I just got into watching baseball. So Diaz does the trumpets. Uh, the trumpets and Volback does milkshake right now. So those are their entrance songs. Like what would your song be? So now I'm scrolling through, um, you know, Spotify, I'm a Spotify girl. So I'm going through all of my music and like, I'm trying to match like the vibe and the tone of the scenario he gives me. So it's just like, all right, so this is something hype. Like this is something that I'm about to do something like physical, or I got to show out, I got to perform basically. So now I'm going to find a song. And so generally I will get like an idea or a feel and then try to match it to whatever the first song that comes to mind. But then I can't like, for the most part, like I'll know, like, ah, I feel like I want something like, this is a rap song. So I want something rap, but I don't know what direction do I go? Is it this? So for me is because I never remember that. Like I have a really bad time with recall. This is why I do outlines for the episodes, but I have a terrible shit time with recall. So trying to match what's on my heart with what's in my mind can be so frustrating, but it's a good frustrating because it's a challenge. So that's a good time. Like other questions he would ask. um, Okay, so one of them was, imagine you're at Red Rock Amphitheater. I want to say that that is in like Sedona or Oregon. I don't know, but that's one of the things that we have on our our list to do when we do more of our uh, West Coast trip where imagine you're at Red Rock Amphitheater amphitheater, and there's like... um, live DJ set were there for some kind of performance or some shit between performances. Like what would you want to hear between sets? Uh, and, but the point is you have to imagine that you're at red rock theater. It's supposed to be like, I think there's actual like exposed red rock in like, I want to say like, it might be built along or around. It's supposed to be just absolutely gorgeous. Um, so all of that as it is, it's like, you're supposed to include, the feel, the energy of the space with like the soundtrack, the songs or the music that you want to hear as well. Another question was like, imagine you're about to walk into the strip club. You ain't dropped no money yet, but you walk in. What's the first thing you want to hear to get yourself hyped to spend money, order drinks, maybe get wings and like two shorties to come dance for you. Like what song is playing? And so that is basically how we play the game. You can get as frisky as you want. Um, you can go any direction, but, and it can go both ways, but it sucks when the driver is like, the driver can't necessarily like 
scroll while they're driving per se in terms of finding the song. So it's not exactly, granted, you could ask the driver what song they would choose and then you play it for them. But the way we play it, the driver is in control of the questions and um, I choose the songs. And then also as like the person that's choosing the song, you get to explain why you get to tell them. And it's also another one of those things where depending on what the question is and how it comes about, like you can kind of like, oh, I never told you this story. This is when this song, the last time I heard this song, or there was a time when this was playing and now you're like, you're talking, you're engaging with each other. It's a really good time. So life track game, man, fun. We personally love it. And then like the other thing that we did was after that, again, we were talking about something and we went down a rabbit hole because I at least am very good with rabbit holes. Um, I don't know who the fuck is down here honking like this. Like there's not even like, it, it can't be anything that serious. Like, wild od i hope y'all can't hear it but it's just annoying as shit right now to hear this nigga right here just honking anyway i ended up doing like a playlist challenge uh we had probably played like one or two songs from the what was it called from the from the soundtrack game but I ended up going down this hole and it was R&B niggas of the early 2000s. I feel like that era, male R&B artists had the game on lock. The Bobby Valentinos, the, um, granted, there were also a lot of groups, but like the Carl Thomas, the Joe, the Case, the the Jaheems, the Music Soul Child. So we went, I, we, by we, I mean I. I did a really great job with at least 15 different artists, I want to say, with different songs that were popping during the early 2000s. So it's like find a topic or find a theme, find an era, like what is your playlist? How are you curating the playlist? But then you got to do it on demand. Like, and the challenge is before the next, before that song ends, you got to get into the next one. Extra points if they transition well into each other or if you're able to find another connecting link, but I'm not that great yet. What I uh, did was just song after song after song, you play a different solo art, as many solo artists as you can under that uh, criteria. So it was early 2000s, R&B niggas, singing, they sing R&B niggas and John B and um, Justin Timberlake. So, and the J's, R&B niggas and J's, J, John and Justin. But that was a good time. So that is how we entertain ourselves on our road trips. And that's another reason why I think road trips for us have been a successful form of vacation because we actually enjoy them. We don't make it so that it's just a very dry or quiet drive. It's not just about, you know, uh, whatever's on the radio or like we make it entertaining for ourselves. And that's another way that we're able to enjoy them versus uh, enjoy the road trips, the driving versus actually flying someplace. The flying is the, I'd say convenience, but on the un- inconvenient side is the aspect of having to be at the mercy of somebody else. 
we're at the mercy of whether or not the flight leaves on time, whether or not they clean it appropriately, whether or not they, um, you know, uh, don't delay, whether or not other people make it uncomfortable or not crying kids, kids cry. I don't necessarily, I'm not that person that's losing their shit when a baby or a child is crying on an airplane. I prefer them not, but I get that children cry and on their best day, a good parent can't necessarily stop a four-year-old or a two-year-old from having a tantrum. I, I accept that children are going to child and that is what their job is. Now, as long as the adult is trying to soothe them or trying to comfort them, I just feel like that matters to me because it's humane. Like you don't just like at a certain point, yes, just let the kid fucking cry. But at the same time, like in consideration of other people and me, that is a pet peeve. I cannot stand people who do not consider other people. Um, quickest way to drive me crazy is to just be inconsiderate. Um, but that being said, road trips ain't no crying babies. Not yet. That's not our, that's not our, uh, our burden at this point. It's just us. So I personally enjoy it better than flying because the germs here are mine. They're ours. Like we're not worried about catching anybody else's anything. So, um, one of the things, especially, uh, with the climate of everything going on, uh, another thing I have mentioned prior, I was really in a monkeypox bag where I was terrified. I live and work in Manhattan. We are the epicenter of monkeypox. And as I go back to work, I work with the public. So that is something that is now going to be more front facing in my mind. But initially before the road trip, I was very hesitant to go because I was concerned that if we stay at an Airbnb, are they adequately cleaning? Are they considering, because COVID I can kind of navigate because at this point we understand COVID to just basically be airborne. I'm not really concerned with getting COVID from surfaces, but monkeypox from surfaces or linens and towels and things. Initially, I was going to bring our own sheets. I was going to bring our own towels and tell the host, like, leave all that out. I don't want it in there. However, I've since calmed down a bit and I hope that I don't regret that decision, but, uh, both of the Airbnbs that we stayed in, I felt were clean. I don't feel as if, you know, one of the things, again, I try to be reasonable. Um, I hate, hate hair. I don't have hair. Boyfriend sheds like a fucking animal, but that's my man. It is what it is. I don't want other people's hair near, around, touching me. I hate at work when, you know, I see like hair in the sink and finding hair in the linens or on a towel while I understand them to still be clean drives me fucking insane. I hate other people's hair. It is so fucking gross to me because it's, it's like their, it's their skin. Basically. It's like, I am literally seeing and now unfortunately touching a piece of your skin. So it is a personal peeve of mine. I hate, hate, hate seeing hair on the bed or on a pillow or like in the, the floors, especially if I don't know whose hair it is. Even if I know whose hair it is, I don't still want to be bothered. But damn, if that isn't something that really gets under my skin. Road trips give you the flexibility of taking the most control of your itinerary. 
No airline delays or cancellations. You can sit in your own germs and move at your own pace. Whether you're looking for family-friendly or something romantic, history and heritage, or a foodie's delight, I've got you covered. Choose your trip based on the vibe or the distance you feel like driving. This pack includes D.C., Philly, Hartford, Burlington, and Montreal. All destinations are a few hours from New York City, so they're perfect for anyone along the East Coast to tap into. The download also includes a packing list, pre-trip car prep guide, and a playlist of travel and shit road trip content. These itineraries are perfect for travelers who enjoy having a plan with space for spontaneity. Head over to travelandshippodcast.com slash travel resources slash road trip to download your copy and take the stress of planning and packing off the table while you focus on the road. So there were like a few hairs, like you get, you move the sheets, you get in the towel, you roll over, you look down and hmm, here's a hair. Grossly throw it out. So yes, in most accommodations, I have always come across a hair or two and I tend not to really sweat it. Um, both accommodations, I will say the Detroit accommodation, because that's where we ended up staying first. So we got into Detroit. Um, so I'm breaking this up into two different episodes. Uh, we did Detroit and Cleveland, but Detroit and Cleveland were a little bit less, um, thing heavy. Like we didn't do as much in those two cities. Uh, Toronto, we ended up also doing Toronto and Buffalo and Toronto. We was like jam packed. We did a lot of shit in Toronto. So there's gonna be a separate episode on Toronto. But for this trip, we ended up doing Cleveland, Detroit, Toronto, and Buffalo. So this episode is going to be Cleveland, which was, like I said, we just did dinner. And then Detroit. We were in Detroit for about two days and we didn't really do too much. So this episode will uh, conclude with Detroit. And then next episode is going to be Toronto and Buffalo. But say that to say. I had kind of come to terms with the monkeypox surfaces and I let it go. I gave it to God. Like I, I can control a lot of things. I can't control a lot of things. Uh, I, you know, was looking at what were the chances, right? There's still comparatively to compared to all of the things going on in the world and the number of people so far it's manageable I guess I don't know but sometimes you just have to pick and choose where your stress is going to be in this case I had to let that go like I couldn't carry that piece of baggage anymore there was a lot of other shit going on still life is going to life right even in the middle of a beautiful vacation like you have other things that you're worried about or concerned with or, you know, that you have to um, make yourself aware of and present for so that you can navigate those things. I had to let that one go. So I didn't bring my own sheets. I didn't bring my own towels. And thankfully, um, hands down on this trip, Detroit was probably one of the best Airbnbs I've ever stayed at. When I tell you that shit was like next level clean, like the window sills were clean. Like they, it felt like a new build clean, if you will. I won't say high end or luxury, but like quality, um, what do you call them? Toiletries. 
across the whole thing. So we get to Detroit and Detroit, we got to actually relatively late. The first night we got there, we stopped in Cleveland at five. We maybe got in around eight or nine, but again, it had been a rel- we'd already been up since like 8 a.m. A little before then. I think we got up around six or so and then just dragged our feet getting ready. But we left around eight. So then getting into Detroit, it was a long day and he had done a lot of driving. So I don't think we did too much of anything really in Detroit. We were able, thankfully, and here's another pro tip. When doing a road trip, book an accommodation that comes with free parking. Thank me later. Last thing you want to have to do is navigate street parking. Is there a charge for this? Is there alternate side parking? Like know what you're getting into in terms of parking before you book an accommodation. This accommodation in particular, we knew had street parking, but it was an option for off street parking if we wanted it. In the listing, it basically said it's relatively easy to get street parking. You won't like there's always parking over here. And it's Detroit. It's not like it's New York City where there are a million, million people in like, you know, a smaller radius of space. So I trusted the listing and it was accurate. We parked literally directly in front of the gate and we left the car parked there for the two days that we were there. So we pull up, go inside and we realize there is a, well, not realize because I knew when we booked, when I booked that this was there. There's a beer garden downstairs and a scented cocktail lounge. And like your listing comes with a built-in bar, two options at that. So very excited. Sadly, didn't realize that they were closed on Monday and Tuesday. So I won't say most of Detroit, but a lot, a lot of Detroit is closed on Monday, Tuesday. Um, We actually met a really, really, really dope dude, Corey, who I will tell y'all all about, more about in a little bit, but Corey was basically telling us, and we had kind of surmised it to, like we had kind of guessed at why Mondays and Tuesdays, so many places were cold, closed, but between the pandemic and Detroit still like working on getting itself back to the glory that it was, um, you can't necessarily... Why stretch yourself then, right? Why extend across six, seven days and not necessarily honor your guests, but also your your staff, right? So between COVID and really trying to get, you know, things back going, like a lot of businesses are just closed Monday, Tuesday. We're not going to close on the weekday. I mean, the weekend. We're not going to close Thursday through Sunday. Like, it's the fucking weekend. That's where the bag is at. But Monday, Tuesday, it's like, all right, so I'm going to cut costs. I'm going to... S- still be able to provide the best customer service, the best products to my customers because I'm not stretching my staff thin and I'm not, you know, stretching and um, risking not necessarily getting the best uh, ingredients because we're trying to stretch them for a longer amount of time, like being able to use them for fewer days, you're better able to just work better. So it kind of sucked that those two places were closed while we were there because we pulled up on Monday. We were there all day Tuesday and then we left on Wednesday. Um, But suck. However, it worked out to our advantage because we got to enjoy the place in relative silence. Like there was nobody else there. I think there are 
a couple of units, give or take. I know we ran into one young lady on our way out one day, but there were two chairs on the front stoop that we were able to just sit and enjoy outside in silence. People watch, people walking past the house. What's going on? How y'all doing? Very mixed. There were black people, white people, um, and old brown in between. Um, so Detroit felt nice and, um, nice and mixy. And I will say we stayed in Midtown. So we were in Midtown and I ain't going to hold you. I could see living out there. I enjoyed the area that we were in. It felt very homely. And we were also walking distance to, um, multiple main strips where there was a ton of stuff to do. One in particular, I know was up and to the left of where we were staying. I want to say that was more restaurants, a couple of shops, but a lot of restaurants. Those thankfully were open the Monday, Tuesday. We just ended up having leftovers from Cleveland that first day that we were there. So we ate that. Um, but the Airbnb came with a ton of like personal touches. Not only was it like immaculately clean and just very nice. Like it was just really cute. It was wild cheap. I think we were there for two nights. It might've run me like $200, $250 max for the two days. There was a record player. There was a really nice like bay window with like a little uh, nook that you can kind of sit in, in the window and like read or do whatever. Uh, mentioned the record player. They had um, like amber medicine jars of Q-tips in one and then like mini makeup removers. There were, um, the kitchen was, very well stocked. There was a bean grinder, like you could grind your own beans. And I want to say one or two different coffee makers or something like that. It was definitely a coffee maker, but then there was something else. I don't know what the fuck it was. The cabinets well stocked with like dry goods. So there was oils, there were different seasonings and spices. There was, um, flour. I think there was like sugar. Like there were a ton of things in there. It wasn't a bare shell of a room, like a hotel room is, right? It wasn't sterile. There were, what, sterile, sterile, sterile. It wasn't sterile, sterile. Ooh, it feels funny. Like, I feel like sterile is one of those words that you say differently based on what exactly you're talking about. Maybe that's just me. Anywho, it had body. There was richness to it. And the record player also had a crate of records. They were all kind of like country and blues and like some a white artist that I was very unfamiliar with. Um, but there was the, what he enjoyed most was, I want to say it was the hateful eight soundtrack was, um, there. Um, so that was really nice. Oh, the area, there was like a really nice place for the luggage that ended up being like this gorgeous walk-in, like exposed brick walk-in closet. So you come into the room, walk in, here's the bed. It was a loft. Uh, I mean, uh, like a studio. Here's the bed on this side. There's a table, there's seating. There's like, it's a nice little seated area, like a little living room space. Then there's like a little bedroom space where it's like the bed, huge, huge wall mirror. Love a good fucking mirror. Don't have me out here on vacation not knowing what the fuck I look like. I don't like that. Leave them, it, it, gorgeous mirror, gorgeous mirror. So there was a huge mirror next to it was the record player. And then tucked away in the corner was this gorgeous walk-in closet that was like all in exposed brick. It was like maybe eight by six, a little just tucked away, no doors, just like an open space. It was a washer dryer in there, tons of shelves. 
And there was also um, the two little luggage stand racks or whatever to put your bags. So, oh, there was also a couple of magazines that were there. There was really beautiful like coffee table, like photos of Detroit at night. That was gorgeous photography. Um, All the sinks had soaps. Kitchen sink had hand soap and dish soap. Bathroom, hand soap, face wash, hand lotion, body uh, face lotion on the sink and in the shower, body wash, conditioner, and shampoo. Hello. Um, there was also a little uh, exposed closet, like just like open shelves right by the bathroom. And there, where that's where they had our towels for us. Um, they also had a tube of toothpaste. There was a canister of like shaving cream. There was a razor. There was a blow dryer. Never would use that razor because it was just like an open razor. Like who knows if anybody ever used it or not. It, it was just like an open razor. You know what I mean? Like it didn't have like the little case on it. There was no little note that said, this came out of like a five pack. It's brand new. Please feel free to use. It was just a razor. So I would never, but still nice fucking touch. It was bottles of water that was still and uh, sparkling water and like a nice little two pack of Milano cookies in there. Also, there were uh, dollar tokens. Uh, there were two one dollar tokens to the beer garden downstairs. So had it been open, we would have been able to get, you know, a dollar off of our beers, which was nice. Just touches. You care about the people staying here. You care enough to make them feel comfortable. You care enough to make them feel welcome. I love shit like that. Everything was clean. Listing smelt nice. The fridge was clean. All the appliances were clean. Tons of glasses and all that shit. So the Detroit listing, 11 out of 10, highly recommend. I would absolutely stay there again. We actually are working on another road trip to Detroit that includes a couple of different cities and not the ones that we did, but we enjoyed it. And like I said, I could see actually living out there in that Midtown area. Um, I just couldn't do the winters. So it would have to do, it would have to be one of those part of the year things, but it was absolutely gorgeous. Um, the areas that we walked through, and we did a lot of walking. We always do a ton of walking. We will park that car and not touch it again. I do not think we took an Uber at all in Detroit. Almost did, because one day I just was not, like the second day, I just wasn't feeling good. And it was because I waited too long to eat. I was in a bad mood. We, we was beefing about something. I don't even remember what the fuck we were beefing about. And it was just like, I don't even want, I don't, I don't want to, like, my head hurts. It was just, ugh, like, it was just a cog in the wheel. So, and this was day two. We ended up going to, um, I wrote it down. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Um, Saucy Brewery. No, Saucy Brew Works. We ended up going there for uh wings and beer and then we contemplated going to the strip club and was just like "Mm, you know what we'll wait i'm gonna put a pause here because we knew that toronto was next on our trip and so we were thinking we'll go to the strip club in toronto no big fucking deal also what was going on in our minds was i would rather 
have like I'm trying to think of the best way to position this like to present it one tip if you will try to consider how you're spending your money and make your decisions not just on how you like to spend your money but based on what the most appropriate way to spend your money in the locations you're going to be is going to be so we figured all right well let's not blow all our money on like the first three days and mind you but when i say blow i already knew like let's take out a hundred dollars in cash we've absolutely been to the strip club with a hundred dollars and had a great fucking time we went in dallas we took out like a hundred dollars like we'll start here if we need a little bit more we'll do a little bit more don't really want to spend any more than that but let's go we ended up coming home. We spent, I think, because also Dallas was a BYOB. So that made it even more affordable because we ended up uh, meeting friends and his friends bought some bottles. And um, so we probably spent like $40, $30. And I think we ended up putting in on the bot. Like we ended up coming home with mad money. So we were initially thinking, all right, we can easily have a nice time with a hundred dollars we're not out here tricking at the club we ain't paying nobody's tuition we ain't paying nobody's rent or childcare bill we just want to go have a good time see some titties have fun but we said you know what instead of doing strip clubs in both cities because again we're trying to make this economical so we said instead of doing strip clubs in both cities Let's only do one. I had already had a headache from earlier that day. We were thinking about going out again and was just like, mm, we'll save it for Toronto because we said we don't want to spend the money now. Whereas it's easier to just kind of blow money when you're almost home. Cause it's just like, ah, eh, I'm going home tomorrow. It's no big deal. We've already eaten every day. We've done everything we wanted to do. We're not taking away from something. We're not like the cost opportunity, right? You spend the money on option A and so now you don't have the money for option B. So we were trying to go through as many letters of the opposite of the alphabet as we could before it was just like, all right, yeah, let's blow this. Oh, we can get more money and do whatever. So we said, we'll wait till Toronto. Hindsight, bad idea. And that is not for any reason other than we didn't think about it at first. Toronto doesn't have singles. The smallest denomination in paper money is $5. So the strip club culture in Toronto is very fucking different from the culture in Detroit in America because we've got dollar bills. They have $2 coins, $1 coins in Canada. Like, so throwing coins at your dancer, like you, you can't put, like they get completely nude in Toronto, but we ended up going and one, the girls weren't like, they weren't necessarily bad looking, but you know, I was just like, okay. I mean, I'm personally hard to please. I, I want you to be prettier than me. I want you to be prettier to me and have a better body than me. Otherwise, like I'll dance for myself, you know, but I mean, and the girls weren't mean, they weren't nasty, but I think we might've been there for, and there were two, we went to this spot in Toronto called the Brass Rail. Um, now the staff, mad fucking nice. Bouncers were nice. Bottle girls, waitresses, they were really sweet. We ordered two drinks. 
Um, we had her break. Um, did we get a hundred dollars in sync? I think we actually did get like a hundred dollars in sync. No, thankfully we only got like forty dollars in fives and was just like, all right, let's see how this works because fuck, we didn't think about it. What are we doing with fives? It's in Canada. We're leaving the next day, so we also don't want to come home with seventy dollars in Canadian uh money. Like that's a hundred dollars in American dollars, give or take, you know, exchange. American dollars are still worth more than the Canadian dollars at this point. So it was just like, okay. Um, but there's upstairs and a downstairs. We ended up paying a $20 cover to go upstairs. And in hindsight, wasn't really worth it. Um, I don't think they do lap dances or, and that's another thing. We were relying on one of the strippers to tell us what the culture here was. And so only two ladies came up to us the whole night we're attractive people so i don't necessarily know and i'm an i'm one of those people that if i go to a strip club i'm not working you're working so i'm not chasing you i'm not hunting you down i also worked at a strip club for almost 10 years so you're gonna work i was a bartender that's the only person that you go to in my opinion at a strip club you go to the bartender and you tell them what you want I'm not walking over to strippers. I'm not doing this whole flag them down. That's not what happened. That's not, no. So whoever comes here, it's one thing to make eye contact. You smile, I smile, and you get that. Okay, yeah, I'm welcome to come over. That's one thing. I I, I kind of get that the middle ground happens and everybody does things differently. But where we were at the brass rail, two girls came up to us. Uh, the first young lady that came over, really sweet, talked to us for a few minutes. I tipped her because why not? Time is money. That's what I believe in. And it's just like, I always feel like you're leaving money on the table by not approaching people and you'd be surprised who, but again, everybody does it differently. I understand that not everybody operates the same way we do, but this is what it was. So the young lady came over, talked for a minute and, you know, gave her some money, gave her $5. All right. Have a great night. Thanks girl. Went downstairs, got some beers, sat down for a while. Um, so the girls are on, there's like one girl on stage, they're dancing every once in a while, somebody will get up and, you know, throw some fives or whatever. But then another young lady came over, she came and talked to us and we're like, so what's, what, mind you, this had already been like 45 minutes. We had been there between upstairs and downstairs. Um, and it's not, and there's no showmanship. Like the girls are up there. I could be a stripper in Toronto. It, It was just like, this is it. So you're doing that slow. Okay. So if you watch P Valley, the dancers were all, uh, autumn. They're all doing that sexy kind of wiggle on the bar thing. And it's just like, I ain't getting on the pole. Ain't no, no flips, no tricks, none of it. Um, so it was kind of like, okay, we'd have been much better off in Detroit. And it's just culturally different. Like there, I get it. You don't have singles. And I feel as, and then we had like this long, not long, but boyfriend and I did, um, had this conversation. Like, I wonder if it's like the immediate gratification of it all. Like, would you prefer someone throwing singles at you and just, or someone giving you a couple of fives? Like nobody, like, okay, if you got it, you got it. Right. So if you can just with fives, do your thing, but let's just say the average person, like your middle-class, lower middle-class, your working Joe that's coming to the strip club isn't really going to skim off a bunch of fives. So I get not necessarily wanting to do this showy thing 
because they make their money according to that one girl with champagne room, private dances, VIP, all that jazz. So according to her, again, probably should have asked one of the uh, waitresses or the bartenders, but she was just like, yeah, so it's like, I think she said like $300 for four songs or $400 for three songs or some shit like that. And then, you know, some people tip the girls, but you know, you basically go to the VIP room and you get your dance there. And so it was kind of like, okay, fuck no, I'm not giving you niggas no $400, $300. I give y'all, hell no, not going to happen. Do y'all. I would never be a stripper if I was waiting. First of all, well, I can't say I would never be a stripper, but I would never be a stripper in motherfucking Toronto if I had to rely on somebody coming in there and having the $300 to book a champagne room or a VIP. So I don't know if she was just playing the game and assuming like, just looking at us like, oh, they might have it. Let's just give them the highball. Let's high end it, right? Because we went back upstairs and we were talking to another young lady and she came over and was basically just like, you know, she was doing the rounds. Cause at that point there was like a group of like 15 guys that had come in and was like sitting in the seats ahead of us. And so she was doing the rounds, popping in, talking to some people. She came to us and was just like, do you want to dance? And we were like, well, how much is it? And she was just, I think she said it's $20 a person, a song or something like that. And I'm like, that's fucking reasonable. Somebody would have come up to us and said that to begin with, bitch, let's go. We'll give you $40. It's not a big fucking deal. That would have absolutely fucking worked. And somebody would have gotten some money. But that was not the case. There was no um, communication. And I will say, though, in fairness to the girls that were working there, the first girl that came up to us to um, talk with us was saying, oh, you guys are the first Americans I've seen in here in a really long time. Like they hadn't had a lot of Americans. And I guess that it was because the borders because of COVID were closed between Canada and the States. Um, also one of the other girls had mentioned like, yeah, this is a really slow time because all the guys are home with their wives and their kids It's back to school time, you know? So they're doing the whole parenting thing. And in my head, I'm just like, Oh, it's a long weekend though. I would have expected niggas to be out like, but okay. I get it. Like, you know, if, Someone is coming to spend $300 for some champagne room experience. Yes, that also would, in my mind, align with someone that may have a wife and kids at home that they would like to give their attention to in terms of the back to school time or whatever. So there's that. So in hindsight, in terms of trips in general, not just road trips, but your vacation time as it is. Consider not necessarily the save money. I want to have it to spend along the trip, which is nothing wrong with that, but also consider which location or what areas are best um, reservoirs, if you will, for the money I'm going to spend. And in this case, we would have been better off spending the money earlier in the trip so that we could get the experience that we were looking for versus holding out and waiting till closer to the end to spend that money because it ended up not being worth it. We ended up just using the cash that we have for um, other shit, but again, mental note. Um, So after, yeah, this is wrapping up Detroit here. We ended up doing 
Oh yeah. So that was like just the first day. Second day we did Motown Museum. Motown was not what I expected. I was expecting more artifacts. Like I was expecting a dress from Diana Ross. I was expecting an outfit um, or something from, um, you know, Smokey Robinson or just, I was expecting memorabilia and collectible items. And it was more a historical tour. We ended up having to do a guided tour. There was no, I also thought that you could just walk in, walk around, see it. And I was like, all right, well, it's a house. So 20, 30 minutes, we'll be out and done with the day. But we had to book a guided tour. They were only $15. Um, Thankfully, it was only a 20 minute wait. And at first I was just like, do I really want to spend $15 to just, and then wait 20 minutes. And he was just like, babe, you know, it's your call. We're already out here. And I'm just like, you're right. Came all the way out here. There's no reason why we shouldn't get to actually go inside. And I'm really glad that we did. First of all, everybody was so fucking nice. Um, we ended up buying the tickets and the young lady that did the tour, it's all full of historical information. You get, um, Barry Gordy's, uh, beginning story, how he started. And then you walk through the houses. My man ended up buying like six houses on that block. And Pittsville, where I want to say there are at least four or five houses that appear to be part of what is historically preserved. I'm not 100% sure, but at least three of the houses, including the, the blue and white Hitsville, like Motown, Hitsville USA house that is inclusive of the studio where the artists would record, which was interesting to know was open 24 hours. They had like a reception area. They took good records and kept, you know, um, detail on who was coming in when and what was going on, the comings and goings of the peoples in the studio. But it was open 24 hours because it was just creatives are working, whatever. So if you got an idea at two o'clock in the morning, pull up, get it out. Um, That was really interesting. And the outside, I guess, if you want to call it, I don't want to say the front stoop because it was like all grassy kind of sidewalk, but concreted, if that makes sense. Um, Extended for about three houses. Extended for about three houses, not including the Hitsville. So it was like total four houses, I want to say, but decent space outside. We ended up just paying for street parking, walked a block up, waited for the tour, went inside, great tour. She gives all the information and I didn't know. And I can really respect it. Barry Gordy came from a family of entrepreneurs. He had to take out a loan that was initially not approved by his family. It was kind of like a susu. Um, You couldn't take out more than you would put in. The members of the family that were contributing had to approve. Everyone had to approve your application for a loan from the family bank, if you will. So that was really interesting. And he ended up just outsourcing because he realized I am good at X but not necessarily this, I will bring people in. So he, uh, one of the things that, you know how you know things in the back of your mind, but you don't necessarily pay too much attention to them because why? One of the things was uh, Motown was, I forgot the way they phrased it in particular, but it was like artist development was really big. So you had a stylist, you had someone that was doing, um, not cotillions, but Someone was teaching them how to basically the young, the young lady that was in charge of um, etiquette. There we go. 
etiquette was just like, I don't care who you meet. You can meet the sanitation worker down the street or the queen of Europe, like the queen of England, you will be prepared. And so she got them on board with that. You had somebody that did the styling, you had um, the choreographer and that was like so beautiful to see. And what was really cool was they were a very, this was like early diversity, right? They hired anybody as long as you like one of the things apparently that Barry Gordy believed in, Barry Gordy believed in was if you're right for the job, you're right for the job. I don't give a fuck what you look like. So Filipino, uh, Mexican, black, white, if you were right for the job, you got the job. And there was a white guy that did a lot of their um, album covers. There was a nice display to him in there. There was a lot of innovation that was highlighted like one of the echo chambers like they basically concreted the the attic to kind of get um the sound that apparently we know as the motown sound or whatever but it was a lot of really interesting information that i didn't know i would appreciate until after the tour so that was really cool and after we did uh the motown museum we ended up actually i want to say it was right before the motown museum we because i think we yeah, we stopped at this spot called The Roost. And that's where we met my man, Corey. Corey is so fucking cool. He's actually going to be a guest on a future show. So stay tuned for that one. But we were, um, boyfriend had just randomly found a spot to go to coffee. I initially was going to just walk to this spot that was on the corner where we were staying. He was like, no, nah, I found a place on the, the map or whatever. Let's check this place out. So we drove up. Uh, the Roost is in Woodbridge, which is right near Midtown. So it was maybe like a five minute drive maybe 10 minutes from where we were staying and we were going to we hit there because we were hitting motown on the way out so we'd already checked out we stopped and got coffee and then we're going to hit motown so the roots is actually a black owned coffee shop gorgeous inside their plants are insane and lo and behold we were about to walk in and the gentleman had been walking out and it turns out he was the person that was going to serve us so we go inside and talking to him i try to make things easy and one of my uh things that I learned while traveling is just ask for the special or just ask what they're good at making and order that. If you don't know what the fuck you want, just ask them what they would order, what they're good at or what the special is. And chances are, you're going to be happy. So I told you, I saw Corey, I was like, listen, I like coffee. I'm not a fucking connoisseur. Like, what would you suggest? And he was just like, well, neither am I. I don't actually work here. I'm just helping them out. I actually have a food truck. This food truck is called uh, Corner Boy Cafe. And I was sold. And so it was just like, oh, so we're friends now, basically. Gang, gang, tell me about it. So he's actually at the, I think it's called Corner Cut in Eastern Market. And he has, you know, the container, like shipping containers. That's basically what his food truck is. It's a shipping container. So he's got like um, a really, really good spot for it. He said there's like a nature walk or something like that. So that's basically why we're going to go back because we definitely want to pull up to them. Corey's all good fucking energy. And I basically asked him like, you know, well, what do you hire? He was like, well, I'm really good at lattes. I'm like, I guess I'll have a fucking latte. So made the lattes. The cold brew there is really fucking good. Boyfriend does iced coffees and cold brews. I would have been happy with a cold brew also. It was really, really, really good there. There's a bunch of like um, local goods and items. We got like some hot sauce. They had like, I think maybe syrups and honeys. Oh, I got honey. I got a local honey and we got like a bottle of hot sauce. 
I got, y'all know at this point, or if you don't know, um, okay, that was picked up. Um, if you don't know, my favorite breakfast sandwich is smoked salmon, cream cheese, capers. That's my bag. So order that. <laughs> um, that was good. So incredible experience. Just talking to Corey. He's the one that actually explained what was going on with the Monday, Tuesday, most places were closed and really great vibes. Again, it's black owned. It's nestled on like a relatively residential looking area, tons of like colonial houses, like beautiful, beautiful area. So definitely would uh, strongly suggest stopping at the roost. Um, there's nice indoor seating that you can sit at and 12 out of 10, highly recommend great service. Uh, the coffee was good. Food was good. was good. And I'm really looking forward to doing um, Corey's food truck when we get out there. I want to say his brother also has either a restaurant, he said, or another food truck or something like that. But he also has an event coming up. He does pop-up shops. He had done a pop-up in the restaurant where we were at, uh, the coffee shop, the Roost, for Kobe Day. And he was showing us the, I'm going to include his Instagram in the description of the episode. So you can check out what he does, because if you are in New York, he is going to do a pop-up in Harlem. I want to say towards the end of October, we're definitely going to be there. So it'll be great to see you. I know that there are limited tickets because it is a curated, uh, it's a curated event with pairings foods like we're really excited for it so stay tuned for more information on that because when i get information on that i'm definitely going to share that with you guys uh we'll be there so it'll be nice pull up be nice to meet you guys and i'm sure you're going to enjoy meeting Corey as well um but yeah i can't stress enough how and especially after the day before being like a bust with the headache and that day, like the day we were on our way out, we got so much done. So it was the coffee. We met Corey. We did the Motown uh, Museum. And on our way out, we drove through, I want to say we drove through Mexican town and uh, the area was also um, Southwest Detroit, Mexican town, because there was an episode. I want to say it was no reservations. I don't know if you remember back from the Philly trip. I was telling you guys, boyfriend is a huge Anthony Bourdain um, fan. So we will always watch, I was going to say, listen, we will always watch, whether it be No Reservations, The Layover, Parts Unknown. Well, if Bourdain has been there and talked about an area, we're going to check it out and then try to visit those places. One of the places that he stopped out in Detroit was Dooley's. And Dooley's is home of Coney's, which is basically a chili dog. I've never had a chili dog. And when I tell you they look unappealing, it's like a hot dog, chili, raw onions, mustard. That's what it is. And Bourdain made a note, like, you you don't expect any of these pairings to really make sense. Like, you look at them like, okay, but they're good. And it was, it's pretty cheap. I think we ended up spending like $14. We got three Dooley's cause he is a, a heavy eater. He will eat everything. Um, so he had two, 
and half of mine because I couldn't finish it. But that we ended up getting sodas and I think it came up to like $11, $14 or something like that. And those were good. So it was nice to stop by. You know, Bourdain had been there. We sat a couple seats down from where he sat. Um, and there was a really cute uh, vintage shop across the street. I ended up buying an outfit. Um, we enjoyed it. It was a cute little stop. It was nice to drive through the area. We'd done a, we had done a ton of walking over the past two days. We'd also thankfully been able to drive through a lot of different neighborhoods as well. So yes, that overarching feel of lots and lots of abandoned houses is there, but not the way you would expect. It didn't feel necessarily desolate. Like you could see abandoned houses on like a lot of the blocks, but, and one thing that they called, uh, another show that we started watching was, I want to say it's called Bargain Builds on Maybe Discovery Plus. Don't really know for sure, but it's two white guys in Detroit. They have a black woman as their real as their real estate agent, and she basically oh bargain block or build the block bargain something like that. But basically, the three of them, these two guys working with the black real estate um, agent young lady, will find all these like abandoned houses. They'll buy multiple houses on the block one at a time for the most part, and then flip them. But they flip them in a cost-effective way so that the homes appeal and are within the budget of first-time home buyers and native Detroitians, or I guess they're called Detroitians, but people native to Detroit. So it's not like they are buying this real estate and then flipping it, turning them into million-dollar properties so that people can come in and buy the property and make Airbnbs or buy and then like, you know, do with whatever the properties and like, they're not trying to change the demographic of the neighborhood. They're not trying to, um, so it's the best case scenario for a white savior, if you will. Two white guys, they come in, they do good work. They make a very marginal profit because let's say they buy a house for a thousand dollars. And then they'll put $25,000 worth of work into it, depending on what the comps on the block are. Because if they've already re remodeled two, three houses on the block, the price is going to go up, right? And then they'll sell the house for maybe like $90,000, $100,000. So someone gets, a, and then they keep like a theme. So there's a full theme to um, the home. Like there was a leopard house. There was a, a country home. There was, so, and one of the guys is an artist, so he'll do like a mural on the wall or he'll do like, there was an ornate, um, like a shingle kind of wood. The guys had to cut like 300 little pieces of wood to get like, um, a really fire fucking headboard for the master bedroom. They do butcher block counters, which I was able to see in the apartment, the Airbnb that we stayed in, in Detroit. Them shits is so hard in person. They are gorgeous. Um, just beautiful. So yes, you can see the abandoned buildings, the abandoned homes. Sometimes you can't really tell if it's actually abandoned. Like it could be somebody that is abandoned, but like they are still renovating. So it's, it's a toss up, but I personally, nor did boyfriend at any point in any of the neighborhoods where we were in Detroit feel unsafe. It doesn't mean that we're randomly going to walk around two o'clock in the morning just to chance it, but we felt comfortable. But we also both come from like lower middle class neighborhoods. So it's like we, we get 
I'm from Southside. He's from the Bronx. We fucking get it. So like, we're good where we go. Not like we're good because every hood is my hood, but like we understand the energy. We understand the tone so we can much more easily read the room, if that makes sense to you. Um, in terms of wherever you may be from, like, it's one of those, if you know, you know, like if you get it, you kind of get it. And I hope I kind of explained it in a fashion that'll make sense if you don't come from a neighborhood like that. Or if you're not sure if I am talking about your neighborhood, like consider your hood. Is it technically considered hood by outside people's standards? And do you feel comfortable in other areas that are similar kind of following? So, um, yeah, Dooley's was a nice little finish. Thankfully, it didn't fuck with either of our stomachs. I was expecting a chili dog to really be like, hmm, maybe we'll have to stop along the way. We didn't. It was a good trip. Food was good. Um, Really nice to look through. I really enjoyed being able to walk through and drive through so many different neighborhoods. Um, I can't wait to get back to Detroit. Detroit was a really good time and I am looking forward to exploring more of it. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised that it didn't feel like as, and there were people outside, like it was more people outside than there were in Portland, Maine. When we went to Portland felt like a fucking ghost town. Um, but Detroit, what I expected in my head based on the perception that the media will tell you, or that, you know, different outlets and I didn't feel that it felt like, you know, people cared, like people love their city. And, um, yeah, that was, it was a nice energy. It was a nice vibe. Some areas did kind of give new Orleans, like if you're familiar, familiar with what new Orleans looked like after Katrina. Um, I'm trying to think of when I went to like in new Orleans where you can see the abandoned houses with the numbers and the X's and all that shit out front. Um, it kind of felt like that, but older. And I want to say Bourdain referenced it or one of the people in that episode with Bourdain referenced like the ghost gardens. Like there are all these abandoned houses, but the flowers still come up. Like the plants, like the greenery, there's a ton of greenery in Detroit and like, it's so lush. Like it's very present and pretty amidst abandoned homes and boarded up homes and that kind of softened the areas. There were a lot of really, really big buildings also like church size, community center sizes, um, where you can kind of like had a tough time. Like, is that open? Like do people use that building or is that an abandoned building? Like you kind of couldn't tell. So it was interesting. It was interesting. And again, we were in Midtown and then we went to Southwest slash Mexican town. So those are the neighborhoods that we predominantly like uh, channeled the two days. We were only there for two days. So those are the neighborhoods that we did a lot of walking through and a lot of driving through. So that's where we were. So this episode is long the fuck enough. We're going to wrap this up and I will end it by saying travel is so much more than vacation. As I always do. I enjoy these road trips in a sense for what we verbalize to each other is this is kind of like our testing out where we want to live. We're both over fucking New York, right? So one of the things that we enjoy doing through our travels is kind of getting a feel for what do we want in our forever home? What do we look for in communities where we would want to put roots down or where we would want to settle and um, kind of grow and start our family? Well, we already started a family. 
us and the dog, two people and a dog. We're a family. So this is our family here. But, you know, where would we want to buy property? Where would we want to build? Where would we want to settle in and call like our next community? Like those are the things that we kind of, you know, back burner pop into our head like, damn, nah, I couldn't live like this. There's no way I would want to live this close to this. Or you see this block where we're staying here? This is the perfect distance from all the rah-rah. I don't need to be, uh, I don't need to see a bar when I look out my window. I would like to be able to walk to one. I'd love to be able to walk to restaurants or walk to pick up, you know, takeout or walk to the grocery store or pharmacy and shit like that. But I don't need to look out my window and see those things. I'm good with being on a very quiet block. Like I need to be on a quiet block. Like, so we've definitely enjoyed that. And, um, with that in mind, if you are along the East Coast, I actually don't know if I've mentioned it to you guys. I have a road trip um, itinerary pack. So I put together five of our favorite cities that we have driven to together over the course of these. I told you we did about 15 cities across seven different trips. And so I pulled together five of them. Uh, I've got Hartford, D.C., Vermont, Montreal and Philly. Those are the five cities that are in this iteration of the New York City road trip itinerary pack. So it's an ebook basically. And I have included those five cities and I basically plan it out for you. We, if you haven't picked up yet, are travelers who enjoy plan spontaneity. I need a plan, but I also need space for just changing my mind. So this isn't one of those, you have to go here, 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 here. It's not wake up eight o'clock. It's not based on the time. It's not 8 a.m. do this, 10 p.m. do this, 1 p.m. do this. That's not what the itinerary is. It is where we stayed, all the places we ate, all the things we did, and things to keep in mind when you're in those uh, areas. Like is street parking in D.C., for example. Street parking can be expensive as well as fucking fusing. Montreal, the signage, those are things to note. There's a parking garage near this uh, Airbnb. So this is where we enjoyed staying because of these different reasons. So these five cities, different vibes. There's family friendly. There's outdoor fun. There's a little bit of romance there for you. There's history and culture. And there's stuff your fucking face. Gastro and drinks. Like your gastronomic destination. That's Montreal, by the way. Um, but the itineraries are set up so that you can kind of move things around and take control of exactly what fits your wants and needs in a location while also having it all planned out for you. I know this weekend, if you didn't do anything because you didn't feel like planning anything, this is the perfect tool to have in your pocket so that at the last minute, if you decide, hey, I can take off Monday or, oh shit, I'm actually off this day or I just want to go spend an overnight trip. You can choose based on how far you want to go, or you can choose based on what the energy you want to have matched is going to feel like. So I've got all that ready for you. Low, low price of $14.99. Um, and as a listener to the podcast, I am offering a 10% discount and that code is going to be new travel and it'll get you 10% off of the, um, the itinerary pack at $14.99. So use the code new traveler and that'll get you the 10% off. And 
purchased the itinerary pack, I also have a packing list, a road trip readiness uh, list because you're driving a car, especially if it's your car. Do you, did you check your tires? Did you check all their fluids? Did you check this? Did you pack this? Is this in there? Do you have jumper cables? Do you have, what we have is, I have both. I got jumper tables from old school vehicles before. You had like those portable charging packs so that you can put air in your, like the compressor and so that you can jump your car if your battery is to die. So little things to, and big things to make sure that you have in the car and that your car is prepped. Like this is a list of things. And my dad and my god, my godfather has a mechanic shop. My dad works at the shop with my godfather. And so cars have always been one of those things. Thank God I've never had to focus on because my dad always takes care of it or my godfather always takes care of it. But my dad always makes me, well, as I was growing up, he would always make me watch. Whenever he would do something with the car, he always made me watch. So I'm very comfortable making sure and knowing what to check before I go um, long distances. And I'm very comfortable knowing what to ask my dad to um, address or look into before I take a trip. So there's a road trip um, checklist for you to do, as well as links to different travel and shit podcast episodes for each of the different uh, locations so that you can hear about the things that I did, get a feel for it, and um, also just have something to listen to while you're driving. So that is available. It is an immediate download. Once you um, make your purchase, it's there and you can <laughs> revisit it at whatever time. It's great for different times of the year. It is a really comprehensive guide that will get you on your way to enjoying road trips as much as I do. So that is available to you. Again, um, new traveler. And that is going to be your discount code. I'll include that in description notes for 10% off. And um, thank you for everybody that joined the live episode as well. I really enjoyed everybody's participation. I enjoyed meeting new faces, new listeners to the show. Um, if you haven't yet listened to that or watched the video, um, that's either on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts at this point. So Next week is going to be part two, where I discuss Toronto and Buffalo on the trip. So check in for that next week. And again, thank you guys for giving me the space and time to enjoy my man on vacation. And we had a great time. And I hope you had a great time listening to this long as fuck episode. So that's it. Take care, y'all. See you next week. Bye.